Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pushing the Envelope, where all manner of fringe topics are covered from a purely biblical perspective. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this premiere broadcast. Tonight, the topic is really going to get people emotional because this is a very emotional topic. But UFOs, are they nuts and bolts or are they down in feathers? That's the question. Now, we all have our thoughts about them. We all have opinions. However, Brian has had on more than one occasion experience in the matter so Aaron let's get your your take on things first is it your opinion that uh, UFOs are nuts and bolts or are they uh, angels and I guess that's what we're really talking about here we're we're talking about three things they could be they're angelic they're alien or they're military so what's your thoughts on it um well, it's pretty clear to me that it's angelic, but I'm not I, I I'm not sure to what extent if they're if you're looking at them from a distance or they're standing right next to you and you see them, I'm not sure. But I think it is something well there are a lot of people who've experienced them who can who will witness to you that they think they're interdimensional beings, not um you know, aliens from space. And I think that's a little closer to what we're, um, to what it is, because there are beings that can, that are very high in, um, in their ability to manipulate reality as we know it, it seems. So I think they are angelic. Um, if we were to say they were, they were, uh, aliens as in like one of you and me, I would, I would, um, I would highly disagree with that um, because they are something far beyond flesh and blood. And to the extent of, you know, alien life, the possibility of alien life, I, I, I'm not, I don't know that. I don't, I don't, I know, I have no idea on that, but I think that, um, UFOs, as we know them, are angelic in nature, but the military may also be making their sort of spacecrafts. So, um, that's my input. Well, you know, I'm going to have to push your envelope, alright? I'm going to have to push you in places where your mind hasn't thought. So, you're saying that if these aliens are interdimensional... They're not traveling anywhere, so you're actually calling them earthly, just from a, a different dimension. Or, now, you understand this is a topic that nobody talks about. They don't have the wherewithal to approach it in their mind. So I'm asking a question that most people never ask. So, if you are calling them interdimensional, that is absent of travel. Or are you saying this? 
they are actually they are actually uh alien they're not from this planet but they arrive here through an interdimensional travel because if you're talking interdimensional you're talking not moving location so you would actually be calling these entities well earthly just the earth in a different dimension so let's clarify this do you think they're coming from a different location um if we're talking in in angelic concepts uh they are um because heavens are always referred to being higher and jacob's ladder is made out of rungs so in our dimension in our state of reality i doubt it has height but um if you stand outside of our reality and were to look at all the other realities i think they would they would go in a sort of elevation mo motion. So, yes, they're kind of descending into our reality. Well, descending denotes travel. Yes. In interdimensional travel, you do not actually move. The other dimensions are right around you. They're in your physical location, just a different dimension. See, this is what cogs everybody up because they don't have the clarity of, of thought to... Ask that question. Now, I don't have a problem with them being interdimensional. But whenever you say that, you're actually inferring that they are earthly, just from a different dimension. They're not actually traveling distance. They're only traveling. They're only moving between dimensions. Now, it's all right if some people think that uh, they are from a different dimension – and they also have to travel to get here. Let's say um, in another dimension there is a planet that's in – well, here. Let's take a really good leap. Let's just say that where our asteroid belt is, in a different dimension, there's a planet there. So, But it's in a different dimension. So they travel to our dimension, and then they have to travel the distance from the asteroid belt to planet Earth. But I've never heard anyone address this topic because if you're going to call them interdimensional, you're actually saying that they're not interdimensional travelers. They're only moving, as you stated, uh, in a metaphysical sense, going up and down the different layers of the different dimensions. But they're not actually traveling. So there's a whopping big difference there that most people don't even grasp a hold of. That you just can't say interdimensional. <laughs> just because they're from a different dimensional uh, doesn't mean and, – and we've had uh, you know, major entertainment dollars thrown at this. You have all kinds of movies and uh, all kinds of TV series uh, that uh, the main characters will not leave planet Earth, but they'll jump from dimension to dimension. And they'll go to, let's say, a planet of the apes and another one uh, me and my wife like to watch. Uh, they went to – a uh, one dimension where there were no men. I, I think that uh, some plague had wiped out all all the male population, so it was a it was a planet left of dying women because they had no way to, uh, of course, to um, bear children because there was no more no more men left. So trillions of entertainment dollars have been thrown at this, and it's right in front of everybody's face, but they don't consider it that. This may very well be the case that 
the earth is singular in its capacity to sustain life. But if there's other dimensions, in those other dimensions, it would also be capable of sustaining life. So they would be traveling from dimension to dimension, but that doesn't mean they would be moving. And considering that, it would be quite a dangerous gambit for an interdimensional traveler because you could come into this reality at the bottom of the Challenger Deep and be crushed by the fantastic pressure, of course, that seven miles of ocean above you creates. Or you could step through the wrong dimension and wind up in interstellar space. Very dangerous gambit indeed. I mean, traveling is one thing. Yes, that's very dangerous, interstellar travel. But it's only a fraction of the danger incurred whenever you travel interdimensionally. Because you better, so, make, you better make sure that you step out on dry, dram, uh, dry ground. Yes, Aaron, go ahead. So has there actually been any um, recorded sightings, quote-unquote, of UFOs that's actually in interstellar space? Because all of what I've heard is in our atmosphere. Well, Aaron, you, you, you're, you're crossing the topic because, well, for one, they're only going to show you what's authorized. And there's there's no doubt to that. Now, yeah, there's been lots of conspiracy theory, and NASA did come out with some photos that looked like there was an object um, surrounding an inner uh, intergalactic star. It, it wasn't here in our solar system. They later debunked that themselves. But Aaron, when you're asking for proof, look, we we've we've crossed the the threshold with special effects. I mean. Even today, uh, you can look back at the photos that the government gave us for Lee Harvey Oswald, and you can see that the shadow from his eyebrows is falling differently than his shadow is on the ground. It, it, it was obviously photoshopped. Now, you can just look at it yourself and realize that, hey, man, the shadow is coming from two different places. This was photoshopped, and when was that? That was the late 60s. So... I'm sorry you're asking for proof, but as far as official documentation released of photographs of interstellar travel or interstellar craft, no. So, that being said, the quote-unquote UFOs are seen in the sky 99.9% .9 of the time. That's right. So, so um, and that, and in that way, they would, they would, reach our dimension in our heavens, quote-unquote. Exactly. In in our sky, yes, correct. But like I said, that's what would make it so very, very dangerous, because they could come through into our dimension at the bottom of the, of the Challenger Deep, which is seven miles straight down. That's the deepest part of the Mariner Trench is called the Challenger Deep, and you would be crushed. Um, or they could step out, like I said, in interstellar space, so it's a, it's a real danger. So with that in mind, uh, Brian, what's your thoughts? Are they nuts and bolts? Are they military or alien? Or are they uh, dimensional? Are they angels? What are they? What's, what's your opinion? Well, this is going to be where I answer from first-hand experience of 
things that I have witnessed myself. And this is a little more, how do we put this? I'd say there's more than two answers. I would almost have to state there's three. And I'll explain the third aspect later. Now, from my own uh, things that I've witnessed, I can distinctly point out two different types of classifications here. One, to put it uh, the most easily for people to understand, uh, when you come across this specific type, it makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up. That would be associated with something in the heavenly realms. Most likely, one of the hosts. But then there's an altogether different factor, and that is, as you referred to, the nuts and bolts variant. Is this military, or is it altogether something else? I think answering that question is far more complex. You know, we have, we know beyond any shadow of a doubt that the technology that the government possesses is extremely high. You know, we can even go as far forward here to um, Dr. Paul LaViolette, who is famous for his superwave. But folks, his first claim to fame is actually his anti-gravitational, uh, what would you call it, motor engines that he designed that do work. Now, I've watched uh, military aircraft being tested from the base right down the road from where I live that were capable of hover hovering in place, making very quick turns, and shooting off at lightning speed, which was no different than some of the other uh, things I've witnessed throughout my life. Now, I wish this were a joke, folks, but this is not. I... Literally, this count is in the thousands of how many things I've witnessed in the sky. And, you know, to break down one of the uh, nuts and bolts scenarios, I was out with some friends driving around late, late, late at night, and we caught something that was rolling along through the sky and stopping over the top of people's houses, just sitting there, and then all of a sudden, it would move off again go a ways down, stop over the top of somebody else's house. And this pattern kept repeating itself. You know, and to give people a little bit of background as to how I got exposed to all of this, well, I would highly advise that people take a moment to look into the mid-1980s, I believe it was 1986, Belleville, Wisconsin, UFO uh, flap that took place because it is extremely well documented People that have come forward since that time, and even the investigators have stated it's one of the um, most major, major documented flaps that's ever happened in the United States. It started out when a police officer had caught one of these things landing in a field, drove up to it, and basically those reports broke loose all over the place in our state within hours, and... All of a sudden, very strange things started happening all throughout the uh, mainly uh, regions from Belleville towards where I was living and going even in the opposite direction. 
So this is, as I stated before, look into it. It's one of the most well-documented UFO flaps in recorded history. I hand it back over to you guys. Well, let's... Aaron, uh, go ahead. When we when we see a UFO in the sky, what are we seeing? Are we, are we actually seeing the essence of an angelic being? Are they in a craft? Are they... Uh, is it some sort of uh, way of their... Sustaining themselves in our reality, in a way. Is that just what we're seeing? What is going on there? Or is the, are they standing right next to us? Are they, are they just making us see things? And why would they do that? Because there's been masses of people who've all seen the same UFO. Well, let's let's put this to the test, okay? I just mentioned something about, you know, obviously the technological advances... Um, with the photo of Lee Harvey Oswald. Of course, there's many arguments as to whether we actually went to the moon or not in 69. That's irrelevant. You know, last year, the state of Israel put up 18 satellites that were actually the size of shoeboxes. Uh, starting in 2005, we started testing the rail guns. Now it's all over the news. They actually posted the video of it. We can launch a projectile over 100 nautical miles at Mach 6 that requires no warhead. And when it hits, whatever it hits, you see a magnificent explosion, but not due to a warhead. It's just the amount of energy that's delivered to target. Now, on the unprovable side, we have all kinds of people that say that they have you know, made hovercraft and then they just didn't develop them because the government stole the... Uh, the copyright – actually, I've known people that have filed for copyrights, and they weren't given, and the <laughs> government just took the copyright. So we know that we know that the oil industry um, does a lot of that because, well, that's actually what runs the planet is the oil industry. If we were to pull uh, the oil industry, it would actually make the economy collapse. Me and Brian have talked about this many times. You have too many jobs associated with how – goods are delivered. Uh, it takes diesel to for rockets. It takes diesel for trains. It takes diesel for ships. It takes uh, you know, gasoline for cars. You're talking about oil. If you pulled that out, it would literally collapse the entire economy because literally millions of people would be out of work. Everybody that works at gas stations, uh, I mean, people don't think about these things. I mean, there are lots of small towns where the only employer in town is a gas station, and people don't think about that. So uh, thinking about that, it's kind of hard uh, for us to really know what our level of technology is. However, we do have the problem with time. Ladies and gentlemen, time is a major factor. Aaron and I was talking uh, that they had found uh, diorite blocks that had been channeled deeper perfectly than we can do with a boring bar. Now, I know this firsthand because I was a machinist when I first got married. I was a setup man in a factory on a CNC machine, and that's the problem always has been with using a boring bar because you cannot exceed the, di the diameter of the 
boring bar by too great a distance with length or it starts to wobble and you will not get a perfect shaft. For example, you can't make a boring bar that's two foot long that's only one inch in diameter. It wobbles. But yet we have diorite blocks, and I mean huge diorite blocks, that we can't do today. And let's talk about the pyramids. We can't do those today. Ladies and gentlemen, we have four different cranes that can move the blocks. That's not your problem. Let's talk about the one sight a shaft that sights off, you know, everybody knows that it sights off Orion's belt. Do that, ladies and gentlemen, just that one shaft. You have to realize that we don't have the technology to do that. Yeah, we could stop, uh, stack the blocks together, but we could not make such an intricate puzzle and put it together and have it work. We couldn't do it. Now, just with the instance of time, nobody realizes that the pyramids have not sunk. Does anybody have a reckoning in their mind how deep just the Empire State Building's foundation had to go so that it wouldn't tilt, it wouldn't sink? Uh, the pyramids weigh a hundred times that on, <laughs> on the light side, and yet they've never sunk down in the ground, so... Before those pyramids were ever started, uh, they were doing something there able to compress the ground strata, obviously uh, way beyond what we could do now. And if we could do it, it would take us quite a bit of time because you would have to compress that, uh, that strata magnificently for you to put those great big blocks, that many of those great big blocks, all in one place without the foundation sinking. And people just don't realize that. You realize that this shaft, that sights of Orion, that's what makes it marvelous, ladies and gentlemen. How hasn't the pyramid settled? Okay, you, everybody's been in an old house, right? And every old house have has what? It has cracks in the wall. Because no matter what you do... The ground will settle differently over time due to the seasonal process. It rains, it gets hot, it freezes, thaws, it rains, it gets hot, it freezes, it thaws. No matter what you do, any house over 50 years old has cracks, yet you walk up to the pyramids right now, sight that shaft, and the whole pyramid is still perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, show me where we've been able to accomplish this. Show me. And of course, you can't. It doesn't exist. So, as far as the nuts and butts and the, the the nuts and bolts go, we have no idea. Uh, things were done that, like I said, can't be done today. And yet, today, our technology, obviously is far enough to make a hovercraft of sorts. So, with that in mind, it's it's kind of hard to nail that down. Now, the only problem with that is that um, many people, when they talk about the angelic, well, they think they're magical. When they're not. <laughs> we have the instance of the 185,000 dead Assyrians when it says very plainly that a tool was used. We have this multiple instances in the 
Bible. Of course, I probably said it in a way that you didn't understand it. Their tool, we call a sword. But ladies and gentlemen, you need to consider that I don't think it's so much as a sword as a Swiss Army knife. Now, with that in mind, what are all of your thoughts on that, the physical aspect? So, Aaron, do you think they are able to take on the form of a flying ship, or do you think that's one of their tools? Do you think they're using an inanimate object, just like the Bible says that they use their sword? And, of course, the Bible also says that they have garments. So are they using a spacecraft as a tool, or do you think something else? You think that's just what they're projecting for us to see? What's your thoughts on that, Aaron? Yeah, I mean, that's 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 what I've been struggling with, is, is whether or not you're really seeing them. Are they, actu- are they actually in a spacecraft that we're able to see? And, uh, I mean... Uh, I mean, maybe. I, I, I highly doubt that you have an angel standing right next to you and making you see this thing in the sky because, first of all, why would they do that? And second of all, how could they do that with so many people? And then another another now, now, now aspect to this, another aspect to this is how far away from you are they? Well, let me interject this. I just mentioned a crowd of 185,000. So, uh, obviously, their power has the ability to affect masses and masses and masses of people. So, I'm not countering you. I'm just saying that in this one instance, the angel used their tool to affect the masses. So, you're saying that you don't think they would... Uh, have the power to project a UFO and have – well, let's use that number. Could they deceive 185,000 people into believing they saw the same thing? Do you think that's possible or not? I see I, – I believe that from the scriptural evidence we have, they are very powerful beings. But I doubt that. I highly doubt that. And And I, I mean – just to have people just look up and see this craft, why would they do that? Why? I mean, just like these people talk about the NASA lying to us through pictures of the Earth and things like that, and I'm just like, why? Why would you do that? And I'm just, I mean, there's conspiracy to a point. I believe that there's some, there, there is some evil at work, some lies that uh, are out there, but it just comes to a point that why would an angel want to do that to you? To have you, to have a thousand people see the craft. It's one thing if they're trying to show them something, but it's another if they're just showing off, which is what it seems like. It seems like these crafts are doing, and um, so uh, I doubt that we are just looking up. Uh, and seeing something that's not there. Uh, I am willing to say that we are looking at something there, but we're perceiving it, it we're perceiving it differently. So so 
say they are beings that they're hard to manifest in our eyes. So they could our mind just tries to make a shape or form to them. I, I don't know. Oh, I but, see what you're saying. Yes, but, like, but, like 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 with um you know the the it movie? Yeah. The Stephen King's it? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it shows a giant spider right. as the monster. But in the book, actually, the the monster wasn't a spider technically. It was just something it was something that couldn't be perceived in our reality. It was because it had it technically had no form it in our in our eyes they didn't they it didn't exist. It was a dead light thing that it it was what they called a dead light. But when we looked at it, it looked something like a spider. I see. So you're saying the problem is with interpretation of the mind. They're communicating with our minds, but you might perceive that and interpret that information differently and see a disc, whereas I interpret that information a different way, and I see a what they call a cylinder. Is that what you're saying? Is that what you're inferring? Maybe. Um Possibly, and um, it, it could also mean that thousands of people have seen a disc, thousands of people have seen cigarettes, but they, um, they, that is just a basic way for the mind to perceive it. Okay, well. Like, I, like say, um, if, if I and you, I and Brian were to think that, um, were to have our minds perceive it as a UFO because, well, I mean a flying saucer because our mind wants to think it's round. But you just want to look at it. Well, when you look at it, your mind is different from ours and it perceives uh, a cigar. Right. But but that there may be like two basic ways that the entire human population can perceive that UFO. Um, but it depends. Okay, so you're agreeing with with what I stated, that it all depends on the person as to what their mind is going to interpret what the angel is delivering to them. Let's ask Brian about that, uh, because, well, Brian's got some pretty extensive uh, experience with everything we're talking about here. So, Brian, let me ask you this. Have you been in the presence of more than one individual, and all of you saw the exact same thing. Yes. Okay, let me, well, let me ask the next question then. Have you been in the presence of multiple, multiple people, and all of you seen a different thing? Has that ever happened? Not once. Elaborate. So, with that in mind, Brian, what's, what's your conclusion here? Well, I'm going to elaborate by even bringing in well-known mass sightings that have even been documented on film because we can't forget the fact that we have throughout history, and this still continues, for instance, you know, let's just take um, Mexico right now. I mean, if you look into it, you'll find out that UFOs there, this is basically to the point where it's the new norm. They're constantly in the skies on a continual basis, and people don't even 
pay attention to him anymore. It's like birds flying over as far as they're concerned. Let's bring up the infamous uh, Phoenix Light situation. The Phoenix Lights, which happened here March 13th in 1997. It was a mass sighting that was reported all throughout the area, and numerous people filmed this very event. There are just multiple reports where this just can keep going and going and going. You know, because we do have reliable videos that have been recorded that you they have done testing on and have found out there's been no alteration whatsoever. Or let's take it even a step forward. Everybody remembers the infamous lights they filmed over the Temple Mount years back. Now, I know some people have tried to debunk it, this, that, and the other thing, but there's problems with that. There was multiple videos that were filmed by multiple people in different locations. All time date stamped because when you do digital video recordings, it automatically time date stamps that. And if somebody has altered that, it can be found that there's been an alteration done to that video. And when they took all the different angles and lined it up, they know full well that there was no uh, hocus pocus in the middle of it. It was cited, recorded, same event was showing up on all cameras. You know, so did we, they actually did they actually see the craft or just the lights? They filmed them. And that specific one, it depends on which one you're talking about. With the Phoenix Lights, what they saw was triangular shaped craft. But over the and Temple Mount but over the, the Temple, Temple Mount, Mount was, was just a, a light, right? It was a the light. Temple Mount was a light. Now that's the one I refer to as being more along the lines of something within the supernatural realm itself. Now, I'm a little leery about pointing at it being the host. That's the issue here, and there's a reason why. Okay, well, elaborate, because, um, you know, I, I don't see... Well, I guess I already stated myself plainly. They plainly use a tool that is a sword. They plainly use a tool and wear it as a garment. Um or not, I guess we have to make that clarification. Um, maybe we don't see, or they don't use a robe. Or maybe we don't see and they don't use a sword. Maybe that's just something that, you know, is a figment of our interpretation of what they're delivering to our mind. So, so clarify that, Brian. You don't think that they could uh, manifest something that looks like a craft? Is that what you're saying? Well, what I'm pointing out is the fact that, you know, we're, what if this is not the host? And my point for bringing that up is where I'm very, very careful about how far we tiptoe over this edge is when we're dealing with railing accusations against the host. Right, yeah. I, what I, if we're dealing with, like I brought up earlier, an altogether third piece? Okay, what would your third piece be? Well, that's uh extraterrestrial life? No. Okay. I think that's where we have to kind of continue to look in all directions at the same time as we go through this conversation. So perhaps an, perhaps another being. Well, yeah, I, I I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. If if it's a third string, um it would either have to be extraterrestrial alien, or terrestrial that we are not aware of. 
um, of course, this brings in the whole concept of the others. Uh, you know, many people try to say that uh, the beings created in Genesis chapter 1 is not the same as the uh, creation of Adam and Eve. The Well, the rabbis, when you talk to them personally, they call them the others. And it was they who was given dominion over the planet. So, Brian, is that what you're referring to or not? I had never even thought to consider that. Well, uh, well, we have to. Okay, we we have to because clearly the Lord our God stated that um, someone was given dominion. And it's pretty, um, you know, it can be demonstrated that, well, people now do not have dominion. Um, and whatever Adam was doing was obviously controlled. Of course, that was before the fall. We don't know if there weren't predators before the fall or not. I mean, perhaps lions, you know, ate grass. Uh, perhaps, you know, snakes um, ate grass. We, we don't know. But, you know, that there's this is part of what people think, that these entities are actually underground, that they actually come up and travel about. And, of course, even at uh, the infamous uh, Skinwalker Ranch, people had seen craft fly directly into Skinwalker Ridge. They watched the craft fly right into the mountain. And there were tales of... Uh, not only sounds emanating uh, from sub-ground-level uh, sources, but that the ground would even shake. These, these noises would be so loud emanating from the ground. So we have to consider that. I, I mean, that's, that's what this is about. So either we have others or uh, extraterrestrial... Or creatures that have been here the whole time. Uh, you know, there's there's the famous one. I mean, we cannot forget Nessie. Um, we cannot forget about, uh, you know, Sasquatch and the Yeti. They seem to be here. People seem to see them. They seem to witness them. Uh, but yet they just disappear. They go somewhere. So, your thoughts on that? Well, I've... Um one thing that I think we all should note is that there's a, a, a creature in Genesis chapter 1 that most people don't see. And that was created on the fifth day with the, with the fish, and it calls them the tannin um, in Hebrew. And uh, in Greek, it's cetus. Right. Um, um, well, technically, that's uh, a modern pronunciation. Uh, ketos, which which is closer to what it says, um, but it's a monster, uh, sort right. of uh, sea creature. Um, but they're not with us today. Not that it seems, and we have a description of one, um, which uh, many of you may know is the Leviathan of Job chapter forty-one, mm -hmm. and it is a. Uh, is a creature described with uh, plates um, right. of armor that that are impenetrable. Right. And it describes the tail the size of the size of a cedar tree. So, uh, well, 
Aaron, just so you know, I've had massive, lengthy conversations with uh, rabbis over the decades. Um, the first conversation I had with this was back in college before I actually met your mother. You need to understand that they think uh, that it's the same creature. They think that this is the designation for the creature, is what is mentioned in that verse, and that the land form is called the behemoth, and the sea form is called the leviathan. Both of them are supranatural and super, uh, super uh, diminutive. They exercise dominion over everything that's in their field of influence. So the leviathan has... Um, you know, let's just let's just talk in English. Um, they have the paranormal ability to control all sea creatures, the Leviathan. The Behemoth has the power and the dominion to control everything, all creatures that's on the ground. So they think um, the rabbis think that the creature mentioned there is this species. There's just a there's just a water version and an earth version because God separated them, so he gave these two creatures dominion over their field of, in, of influence. That's pushing the envelope a little bit further than I wanted to go. I wasn't prepared to talk about that, but we can because I, we got to get to the bottom of it. Gentlemen, are we dealing with nuts and bolts or are we dealing with down and feathers? Yes, and... um. Most people know of the behemoth because of Job chapter 40, but that that word is found all over the Bible. It's just our translations usually make it cattle or oxen. Right. Because behemoth is plural in in Hebrew tense. It's behema mm -hmm. right. with, uh, with a plural at the end of it. Oh. That's right. Right. So, and... Um, so one verse I'm looking at in Psalms chapter 50, verse 10, it says, For every beast of the forest is mine, behemoth on a thousand hills. Right. Which implies that he has a behemoth on every hill or region, just like the prince, just like we have the prince of Persia, we have the prince of Greece. On every hill or every area, there is a beast that exercises dominion over that area which would go to include the seaborne creatures, because we all know there is, in the same way, there's regions in the oceans. Everybody knows that. I just mentioned the Marinera Trench. Inside the trench, inside that area, is the Challenger Deep, the deepest place on Earth. So, exactly what I said, even though I wasn't really wanting to go there. But, here, let's do this. Let's ask a real question, okay? At the end of the day, we need to be able to prove this one thing, and it's pretty famous for everybody to talk about, but we're going to ask Brian because he's got the most experience with such things. Are these things nefarious, or are they virtuous? Are they malevolent, or are they benevolent? Let's ask Brian. Brian, do you know any instance, and I don't care if you're dealing with the nuts and bolts, or if you're dealing with the down and feathers. Is there instances where good came of these encounters? Brian? That is rather 
difficult to answer in the scenarios that I had witnessed and been through. All bad or all good? I, not necessarily to say that outside of the uh, a whole other realm and topic that we're not completely discussing yet at this point. Well, maybe we I would say middle ground, neither good nor bad. Okay. It was just what it was. Now, as I stated, there's aspects of the ones that you'll come across that make the hair on the back of your neck stand on, and you can sense. Right. You know, for instance, I'll give a um, example. One night I was, it was probably good three, four in the morning, and I'm sitting uh, on the couch, and we had a great big sliding glass patio door that, you know, went out, walked out onto a deck, and I could sense something was watching me from outside. And then finally I went to figure out what in the world was going on, what it was, and I looked straight at what appeared as a star was moving along, and then it flared up, and it did the infamous thing that you always uh, hear reported, flared up and then shot straight up in an arc at lightning speed and just vanished. So, you know, how do you interpret the hair standing up on the back of your neck plus having, and it was a, it was, well, it was in essence what I was feeling and the whole reason it caught my attention is I was feeling this form of rage coming from whatever this thing was that was in the sky floating out there. So in that, for instance, yeah, I would say that it didn't exactly have a, what I perceived, at least to myself, as being a great intent, but there may be more to that story than meets the eye. Well, um, well, as for me, I've never uh, experienced um, much paranormal things, but I have, uh, when I was much younger, I have seen what looked like a cigarette-shaped uh, UFO. And it looked like a pill, or a really thin pill. And it was not close. It was very far away. But I would, I was able to see them when I looked on, at them. Um, I had to keep an eye on them. I had to keep watching them. Because if I turned my head and looked away, I couldn't see them anymore. So me and my brother, um, we would take turns looking at it. Keep watching it when the other had to go away. Or else if we both turned our eyes away, we couldn't find it again. It was like, um, so, I, I'm, I'm kind of leaning back towards what I originally said, that it's a manifestation there, that they weren't, they weren't very close, but I was, I was perceiving something there, um, and, perhaps, um, maybe I could go back on what I said on, uh, them being able to deceive a multitude, um, perhaps there is there is an intent there that there that they are making us see something when they're going over, but that's for traveling reasons, and they're not just toying with people. You're actually seeing something, but they may alter what you're seeing. And um, and and with uh, but also with the phoenix lights. I'm still wondering if that is um, paranormal at all, because I think that might 
I mean, by the shape and the maneuvering, I think that might actually be a military spacecraft of a sort. Well, whether it's space or not, definitely a craft. I mean, there's no way... Yeah, that, yeah that's what I meant. Just a craft. Uh, right. Which goes back to your original statement that nobody saw this craft enter space. So, you know, as far as we know, it was just a uh, just a airspace craft. But let's let's talk about this, guys, because when anybody's encountered the nuts and bolts, I'm not aware of any good thing that ever happened. Um, the people that do say good things have happened, they are only associated with a cult that they start. Okay? Sure, there's people out there that say they've met the Palladians on numerous occasions, and now they changed their name, and now they're the Messiah. Outside of those, every instance that I've ever found that they've run into nuts and bolts and tangible entities, it didn't go very well. These people were abducted, they were probed, they were prodded, they were in every sense of the terminology, they were molested. Okay, you don't have to like it. But I'm using the term molestation in the sense that everything that was done to them, they did not give permission for. Okay, so when I say molestation, I don't necessarily mean sexual, although many people say that it has been sexual. But many others have said, no, it wasn't ever sexual, but yeah, they ran probes up in me. Uh, the one famous case I remember, um, they used a device that we have in our arsenal. Uh, you can find them just about in every hospital that does surgical procedures, but they made an incision in the person's belly button and did an abdominal probe. And believe you me, nobody gave him permission to do that. So it was molestation. So it was definitely not positive. Um, and to make it to the point, on top of this, these encounters were nuts and bolts and physical entities are encountered. It's never invited it never goes well, and they're literally treated like inanimate objects. They're taken at will. They're given back at will. They just wind up with missing time. Uh, they're emotionally distraught. Their memories are contorted. And they certainly gave no one permission to them uh, to be abducted. And molested, because that's what it is. Once you cross the threshold and someone takes you into involuntary custody, you are being molested. Yes, and um, when it comes to the abductions, I lean much towards the angelic side because 99.9% um, .9 of the time, these, uh, these experiments done on these people are... Um, performed on their sexual organs, and I think that angels for a very long time have been trying to find a way to um, bring forth a, a new species of the Nephilim okay. through, um, through indirect uh, martial uh, relations. Well, hey, let me say this again. If what you're saying is true, you are also stating that you believe 
they must use tools. They're not magic. Yes, were, and even with the um, – there are a lot of instances where there is evidence, material evidence of the presence of these beings, um, especially in cattle mutilations. There, there are incisions with uh, burning instruments. They're, they basically burn their way through. And it, if I remember right, it was like the the tool went right between the cells. So you're saying that the burning sword in the Bible is actually a tool. They're using a tool. Yes, and, and okay. I think and right. I think they can manipula- manipulate, especially heat, with it. Well, okay, I'm I'm fine with that. But these are the questions that need to be asked because when you listen to all the different other programs. They won't ask the important questions because that's what you must be saying. I'm fine with the simple fact that uh, these angels um, look like whatever they want to. The point is, are you saying they're using tools? That That's the main thing. So let's get Brian's take on this. Brian, do you think that angels need to use tools? And are they using tools like, well, an abdominal probe? Um, we know that. I mean, many people have encountered that. Uh, they have encountered, you know, the craft. So they're taken into a surgical room. You're saying that an angel must use tools, okay? And if he must use an abdominal probe, then an angel would therefore not have wings. Or he could have wings, but he would have to have a craft or a facility. So let's get Brian's takes on it. Brian, do you think that an angel needs to use tools and craft and facilities? Or do you think they're magic and they don't need nothing? What's what's your take on it? All right, well, was not aware we were going to go into this aspect. So let's do it. Let's go backwards. Let's go into an event I don't really like talking about, but it needs to be talked about. I mentioned what happened there in Belleville in the mid-80s. Now, as time had progressed in about 1991, 1992, the uh, fractured door that was in my mind that made that event disappear, basically, that wall came down. Now, let me go backwards and explain what happened the night of what I remembered previous to this. It's about, I'd say, somewhere in the midst of the night, probably around three, four o'clock. You know, we didn't exactly have digital clocks in our room at that point in time. It would have been a regular alarm clock, so I have no idea what time it was. But that entire, uh, for quite some time, basically being unable to move, laying in bed, basically, you could hear an extremely loud uh, vibrational noise, almost like a motor of some sort, an engine of some sort, just pulsing on a continual, it was rhythmic, basically. And then all of a sudden, you heard what sounded like some kind of turbine kick in, and you heard it launch upwards and in dead silence. 
in the midst of this, sh- when it went to dead silence, you heard almost what would be like a sonic boom. We've had F-16s and the other Air Force uh, planes that you have here go over several times when they had something happening in our skies where they had to take off at lightning speed and basically broke the sound barrier right above our heads, which they're not supposed to do, but... There's things that have happened in the United States, obviously, since September 11th that people are not aware of. Nonetheless, everybody in our house all of a sudden scrambled to the one window that was outside of our room, and that included my parents also came flying out of their bedroom, came up to the window. Now, in the early 90s, about 1991, 1992, all of a sudden that that memory that was fractured, that was hidden away, started coming to the forefront. And what I recall was essentially this uh, praying mantis type thing standing over the top of me. And a lot of the rest of that memory is fractured, but there was definitely something else or many something else's surrounding where I was at. Now, for instance, I don't exactly like being under a dentist light to this day because it sets something off in my mind that I'm not certain of what is still buried in there. But this sort of comes back to square one. Now, when you're talking about an abduction scenario, you have to ask the question, if this is an angelic craft that is doing this, then how can more than one be in there? If this is an angelic entity with other being surrounding it, we go kind of into the same place. Now, to add further credence to what I'm stating about the event that I had, folks, when you look into that mid-1980s, I believe it was 1986 when it started, you will find out it is the largest reported account of abductions in any flat in the United States in recorded history. That was a little detail I left out at that time because I wasn't exactly prepared to go here tonight. Now, this is where we're once again walking around to making the assumption that this is angels that are doing this. And that's where things get tricky. Would and can they use tools Yeah, I don't see why they couldn't pick up a tool of certain types and use them if they so desired. Do they need to? Maybe, maybe not. But, I mean, I think this is where we kind of have to go backwards and consider our timeline as to when the the veil was sort of ripped and all of this stuff started happening. So, yeah, yeah, I've always... always, um when I was when I grew up, I was taught that they were angelic, and these um, abductions had an angelic base, and um, these angels were messing with people. But I always, I always thought, well, if angels were doing this to someone, where were they doing it? Were they taken somewhere else? And so. So yeah, I, I think there would a, there would be some sort of site where they would be doing this. Well, I'm sorry, gentlemen, but I have to interject. Um, we have the entire book of Revelation, and 
John never left the Isle of Patmos. That's not what Christ said. Christ said that he sent his angel to John to deliver the message. Never says John went ever went anywhere. Now, I'm not countering you two. I'm just stating the facts. And when you take a look at the book of Revelation, oh my goodness, uh, John, boy, he certainly took a ride. I mean, he saw uh, extinction-level event impacts with the Earth. He saw uh, the ozone ripped off the planet, you could say. He saw one-third of the planet torched. Uh, oh my goodness. He saw inside the throne room of heaven, yet the Bible says he never left the room. So the angel delivered all these visions to John. And John never left the room. So I'm just... Yes, I, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. But if they're taking them and doing things with them, like... Um, performing surgeries or something like that, would they be doing that in the room with them, or would they take them somewhere? Well, you know, here we go. Brian says that, you know, he was taken to a place, and Brian explicitly mentioned one tool they used. It was the, um, we all seen them, they're in more than a dentist office, they're those um, magnificent high beam lights that they have on those arms that can go in every direction. So they bring in the gurney, and if uh, if you're in an operating room, uh, the surgeon can, of course, move that light right where he needs to direct the light. And if you're in a dentist office, of course, it, they have to shine it right in your face. That's a tool. Brian described he was laying on a, well, either a gurney or a bed or a platform. He was lying on something. That's a tool. So you're saying that angels need to use beds. So you're saying that um, people are taken to a place. We're calling that place a craft. And this craft would have a gurney, not beds, because a gurney can be moved from room to room. It's on wheels. They have uh, surgical lights that are on retractable arms and movable in every direction. Uh, they use scalpels. Of one form or the other, uh, Aaron seems to think that they're laser scalpels, and um, also abdominal probes, and other types of probes that probe other sorts of cavities that are is really inappropriate for usage on this program. So you're talking about tools, no matter, uh, you, you have to come to grips with that. You've crossed beyond the nice fluffy down and feathers into nuts and bolts. Now, perhaps neither one of you really had thought that through, which I'm fine with. I mean, like I said, the Bible plainly states that they wear robes, they don't prance around naked, and the Bible plainly says they use swords. Those are tools. Those are physical objects. Tools. 
Well, Brian, you're... Who sent me some links? That... Uh, Brian, you've sent me some uh, links here. Uh, let's make this our final diatribe because we're already past an hour. So, Brian, what's your thoughts here uh, on the links you're sending me? Well, that's the uh, sort of point I've been trying to make all along. We keep going to this spot where we keep bringing the host into this equation. I'm trying to point to the fact, and this is something we, as I stated, I didn't think we were going here, but we need to go here now since it's here. Now, folks, it's sort of well known about Aleister Crowley and his infamous all the mantra workings. Of course, he's very well versed, obviously, in Kabbalistic magic. Then you start going into Enochian magic, which was, came up within the Middle Ages, good old John D. And all of what he did as time progressed. As he went forward, this infamous lamb entity, which the drawings look one and the same as your modern-day gray, came into the equation. Now, his death was in 1947. This is where we whip things around on top of it, folks, because everybody needs to remember that Roswell, New Mexico, happened in 1947. And here's where I can pass along word-of-mouth testimony again. Because if people want to say uh, Roswell was fact or fiction... Lottie dotty everybody. Look, I spoke to the wife and son of a man that worked at Roswell when everything happened. And they both assured me that, yes, that event did happen. Okay. Well, let's and push on. Well, that was a craft that came down, and they recovered some kind of being on the ground. And indeed, yes. Okay. What was laid to me is they did recover those beings, and they did have photographs in their possession from when this happened. Okay, well, let's, let's push the envelope again, because i got to ask you the question nobody asked. Is this what you're insinuating? You're insinuating that the angels have slaved. Slaves. You have mentioned the greys. Now, per, now, perhaps you're insinuating that the greys are the actual angels. But you said that you uh, encountered a mantis type of creatures, which we'll just go with insects. People have seen uh, uh, reptilians type of creatures. So I'm going to throw this into the mix because, well, this, this is what should be asked. I'm going to put it to both of you. I'm fine with that. Okay. I need to know, Brian, if you think these entities have been manufactured or they came from a different planet, and that's why these people are getting abducted and they're not returned. Because now uh, people are going to see, let's say you go to the Mantis planet, okay? If you're saying that they're abductees and slaves, that these poor Mantis people, whenever they're returned, uh, they come back and tell strange tale of these smooth-looking, soft creatures that weren't insects, and they had uh, this strange uh, strange coating on top of their heads that come in different colors, like yellow and brown and black and white. And uh, 
that had really soft little bitty eyes and um they had teeth. Does everybody get what I'm saying? Are you people saying that these are enslaved by the angels, these different types of creatures, and they do in fact come from different planets? Or are you insinuating that the angels are making these creatures? I'll put that to Aaron. Aaron, your thoughts. Are the creatures uh, manufactured, or are they abductees from different planets? Or different dimensions, uh, I guess. I guess that could that could be the case, too. I, uh, I don't know why, but the concept of uh, other planets, life on other planets, have always uh, just... I kind of struggle with that, because, I mean... The apocalypse is happening here on Earth. What is going on in other planets? I mean, I don't. Well, like I mean, I, Christ came. I mean, Christ came here to this planet to save us. I don't. I, I don't know. Okay, um, fine. So fine. I, but I, I could. I think I would lean more t- towards if they could be creatures that existed in another dimension. Okay, very good. Very good. And they're yes, if they are not, if they are not angelic. I would say that. Okay, very um, good. Very good. That's but, all you got to say. You answered the question. So, you do not believe they're extraterrestrial abducted slaves. If they are a physical manifestation, they were not created. They're from a different Earth. They're from a different dimension. Okay, very good. And I hope yes, you realize... And- well, let me finish, Aaron. I hope you realize you just answered the question everybody was wanting answered that nobody ever answers on these UFO documentaries. So, your closing comments on that matter, please. Uh, I didn't go into this, and I don't think we'll have time to, but when I was talking about those um, creatures talked in Genesis 1, those those dragons, quote-unquote, I once... um, as to you also mentioned the beings coming out of the ground. Uh, once I was just speculating, and I wrote things down in my fictional stories that there were these dragons were creatures that were inhabitants of uh, the abyss, but they weren't punished there. They just, they just were inhabitants there. They lived there, and um, say that these beings were uh, equal to angels or to humans uh, in some sort of level, but they are on a different plane than us. They're they're down under the ground. They're in the abyss where um, we can interact with them. Okay. Um, Well, that's... All right, perhaps we'll do another episode pushing that envelope. Brian, um, I'm going to put the question to you. Okay. These different creatures, are they extraterrestrial abducted slaves that are from just just a different planet, and the humans are having the same thing done to them that these poor other races have had done to them, or are they manufactured by the angels, or, as Aaron just brought up, they're just a different type of angel? Answer the question, please. I would state, and that's why I sent the links, hoping you guys would look at them, manufactured. 
and let me explain why. As I brought up again, the pivot point date, 1947. Now, if you take a look at a certain verse that has the alpha numeric value, remember, everybody, that we did not get numbers until we had the Arabic numerals brought along. The alphabet was also used as the numerical factor. The verse Psalms 139, verse 16 its total is 1947. Your eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in your book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Now the English here for this word, my substance yet being unperfect, is what this is translated as. This word is h one five six. Four. That word is Gollum. The meaning of this word is embryo or fetus. And that has a root which comes from H1563 to wrap up, fold, fold together. All right. So, looks like uh, we need to do obviously several more episodes along these lines to tie up these loose ends. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have questions, please uh, post them in the comments there on Spreaker. Um, Aaron and Brian and I shall try to address them. This is what we need to do. These are the type of questions that need to be asked in church that are quite simply not permitted. It was only as a child that my pastor, at the end of every Wednesday night sermon, before we prayed, he would ask for questions. That hasn't been done. I haven't been in a church where the pastor actually allowed questions to be asked in well over 30 years. The envelope must be pushed. These things must be talked about, and it's fine. There is no sin in the thought that these are beings from a different planet. I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem you know, discussing the simple fact that these beings are slaves and they were manufactured. I don't have a problem with these are beings and they were abducted. I don't have a problem with they're actually earthlings, just earthlings from a different dimension. Because dimensional travel does not mean, nor does it denote, spatial travel. Now, it can. I mean, there may be planets close by that's in a different dimension that you would have to come into this dimension and then travel here. But those questions are never asked, and they need to be asked. Because, well, the Lord, He is God. And He is not going to leave us in ignorance. He's not going to do that. Now, yes, there's some things that are above our pay grade, like how much power does a cherubim possess? What is the authority of a seraphim? That's above our pay grade. We don't we don't need to do that. We're not going to be told that. But we can discuss it. <clears throat> so, Aaron, please come on and say your goodbyes. God bless y'all. Enjoyed, sure enjoyed talking with you guys.
And Brian, your goodbyes, please. Thanks for joining us. God bless. And as for me, ladies and gentlemen, um, like I said, if you want to post questions that need to be talked about and discussed, whether we get to the answer or not, that is irrelevant. Because sometimes there's questions that we don't have the authority to answer. That doesn't mean we do not have permission to discuss them. So, with that in mind, until next time. Push the envelope until our next broadcast.